0: okay we are live on another edition of the edlow pod this is a super special one this is the 100th episode of the edlow podcast and with that i have the specialist of guests i have my oldest son the one who made me a father austin edlow austin welcome to the edlow podcast
1: thanks for having me josh (laughs)
0: well i can already see where this is going so (laughs) um i have to say you so i'm glad that the timing of this because you're a senior in high school you're wrapping up your first semester and as a father i have to start out by saying how proud i am of you getting this far but not only getting this far but also i've seen just such a Marked a difference in you <clears throat> as just a, a human growing and developing this year as opposed to others because you're just on top of all your stuff. Uh, you're just on top of your things and you're working really hard with basketball and choir and your band and you're just so busy. And I'm just so proud of you. And so I wanted to ask you right out the gate what changed? <laughs> so, so there, there is an audio there is an audio component to this where people who are going to be listening on apple, apple apple or spotify will not know that you just shrugged that you don't know so but but the thing is is i mean what what do you think it was because i mean we've talked about this look wait you know i i know that i've i've written you pretty hard sometimes about you know putting you know working hard and, and putting your work first and you know and things like that and this year you just seem to get it I mean was there something that happened differently or was there something you thought about
1: I don't know I think I just got less dumb I don't know <laughs> I, I got tired of getting screamed at I think maybe that was part of it I definitely hope <laughs> well
0: well I'm glad that the screaming finally helped no I, I I think that it's it's just so interesting because I remember you know truth be told we I don't think we've ever talked about this but you know, I, I think I've shared with you that in high school, I wasn't the greatest of students. I went to a high school that was not nearly as hard as John Adams in that um, because I was a basketball player and everybody knew me and loved me, they just kind of passed me regardless of whether I did the work or not. And so the problem with that is, is I got to college and I really struggled. I really struggled for a couple of years because I didn't know study skills. And so I'm just excited that you've kind of figured it out now. And how do you feel about that? How do you feel about yourself just, like, with your with your work and all the things that you're doing? I mean, you're, you're so busy. Like, I mean, I, I want to emphasize, like, and I think it's good. Like, you are in so many things. You've added varsity basketball, which is a grind. As someone who's played basketball, that is a grind. Plus your rock band, plus all your choir commitments, plus your church commitments.
1: How do you feel? I mean – I don't know. It feels pretty good. It's nice. That I was able to like toss all this other stuff on top because, truth be told, so far, senior year hasn't been too bad compared to like past years. I don't know. Cause the big thing is the thesis and it's, you know, 20 pages. And we have something like three, four months to write it. So I don't know. I mean, it's nice cause I'm like, I'm piling all this stuff on top that I enjoy doing instead of just spending all my hours every day just reading. So I don't know. It's a nice change of pace. <laughs>
0: One thing I've also noticed too, um, you, started kind of last year, but this year you've come home and you, you actually like sharing with me things that happen in class. Are there classes that you're taking that you have found
1: are, um, appealing to you or that you kind of have a knack for? Um, well, I mean, I'm taking a music theory class this year. That's pretty cool. Um, And I mean, this year, I don't know, it's nice because humanities, normally we have like English and history. And this year it's kind of, I don't know, it's like we kind of just read books and then come in and talk about it or we, you know, discuss topics. Like we had a debate recently that, I don't know, kind of went terribly, but it wasn't my fault. So that's okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like, it's nice because a lot of our classes now are just, you know, like understanding material and then just discussing the material as opposed to like having to sit down and like grind through assignments. So I know it's nice to kind of have like a more free flowy classroom environment where we can just kind of have, they call it colloquium. So we just like, we just discuss and argue a lot, which, you know, I like to do. I think that's your fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that might be, that might be being the son of a lawyer tends to force you to get good at arguing. But do you, um, do you have books that you've been, that you've actually enjoyed reading?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. What books, what books? Uh, the most recent book that I like. I really liked was a uh, brothers Karamazov. It's like a Russian. No- I sound like such a nerd, but <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a, it's a Russian novel. It's about <laughs> brothers. It's like, I don't know. It's religious. And, um, I, there was a lot of books we got into. I took a political philosophy who, class last stop year.
0: Stop right there. Who, who wrote that book? Was that a Dostoevsky book?
1: Yeah. Dostoevsky. Yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you like about it? Why, why did that stick
1: out? Um, I don't know. I mean, it really interested me. There's like there were a lot of ideas in there that were really thought provoking, you know, stuff about the existence of God and morality and stuff like that. And I don't know. It was just it was re- I don't know. It's just really interesting. I don't know. It's interesting to read and think about and contemplate and then argue with people about. So and that was like that's one of the times where I've actually had like, you know, a full book for school that I actually read all the way through instead of just like reading bits and pieces and then giving up, you know, half the time. So I don't know. <laughs> it's cool. I don't know. I like yeah. the book
0: yeah what other books uh, did you like
1: um i mean last year there were a lot of books i liked because we took that uh political philosophy class so um we read aristotle we read c.s the the book that really stood out to me the most was abolition of man um by c.s lewis uh yeah i don't know really thought-provoking stuff it really changed the way that i like that i think about the world it talks about objective value and it tries to prove it from a from an objective viewpoint right without the ideas of religion, right. Just proving that there has to be something objective that's above all men so that, you know, cause I mean, otherwise if we decide what's good and bad, then you know, the people above us are going to be the ones doing that. And then we're just all slaves and I don't like being a slave. So.
0: Yeah. Well, so it's what you mentioned, it, it changed the way you view the world. How so? How do you view the world based on this book?
1: Well, I mean, beforehand, I always kind of looked at things as, you know, good and bad exist because, you know, well, I mean, God, obviously, but also I I figured that, you know, if there was no society, then there probably wouldn't be good or bad, right? That is, it exists because people tell us that, you know, people tell us, oh, this is good and this is bad. But now I've kind of gotten to a point where I have a better understanding of the ideas. I'm actually, I don't know, I'm writing about why we should why we should, I'm writing my senior thesis on virtue, right, and why virtuous life is the best one, and that is true regardless of, you know, whether or not society tells us because a virtuous life is becoming more and more of a taboo issue, right, not a lot of people Mm -hmm. are, you see just like the rapid decline of virtue with like, you know, a revolution of like sexuality and like just in general, right, of just people being less virtuous, so I don't know, the last days kind of stuff, so I don't know. I just thought it, it's really interesting topic to me. And that's just kind of abolition of man really kind of changed my viewpoint on that. And also, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much.
0: So I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit about this, because I know we've talked a little bit about this, but let's have the conversation. So when you say living a virtuous life, that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What do you think living a virtuous life means? Because it's uh, not just sex, right? there's there's virtue is a lot of different things so so in in the world of austin Edlow, what is a virtuous life
1: um i think that the best way that i can live a virtuous life is live a life in accordance with god right and what i believe that god wants for me and what god knows is best for me because i don't always know right an abolition of man um he talks about he, he describes it as the Tao, right um mm-hmm. t-a-o he describes it as that being um the thing out there which is which objectively provides you know It's objective truth, pretty much objective value, and and uh, like included in that is virtue, and so, um, yeah. I mean, some people could argue, right? I believe that you know that thing that Tao would be God, right? So God decides, you know, God is objective truth, right? God decides what objective truth is, or maybe He operates under objective truth. I don't know, but um, yeah. That's so. That's what I'm going to do is live my life in accordance with what God wants, because the way that C.S. Lewis argues it is that our goal as as human beings, should be to come closer and closer to what the Dao is, right? Because there's a lot of different, you know, you can't argue that everyone knows the Dao, right? Because there are a lot of different perspectives, like you said, on what a, what a virtuous life is, right? But mm-hmm. he argues that there is one true virtue, right? There is one true life, which is the most virtuous life, and our goal should be to um, be so. Be he says to be close-minded about the idea of objective. Uh, values right, but to be open-minded to new understandings of what that objective value is. So, mm. like, don't basically like I don't believe that virtue is a subjective thing, but I believe that I can be wrong about what's virtuous, right? And I can alter what mm. I know to be virtuous to be more in line with with what is truly virtuous. If that makes sense,
0: it does. And let me let me break it down for you because you know we're we're Mormon, right? So let me break it down in Mormon terms. So in Mormon terms, we believe than personal revelation and also continuing revelation, which means most Christian religions believe that the canon is closed, meaning that when Jesus left the earth and the apostles all died or took off, other than Catholics, um, they believe that the canon closed and there is no more continuing revelation. We believe it's open. So as we receive more light knowledge, we will receive more revelation that helps us to um, live a virtuous life. And not only that, but that also means that that uh, things such as what God wants us to do might change. Like, for example, when Jesus came, he was Jewish, and then he fulfilled the law. Now we're Christian. And his followers are, no, we don't follow the Jewish traditions like the these the uh, the, uh, the i guess the what do you call them like all the the rules about i can't i can't think of the name right now but all the the uh the jewish laws about how many steps you can walk on the sabbath how many knots you can tie you know we don't stone adulterers anymore we don't you know we don't uh do those types of things
1: uh we don't animal
0: sacrifice so those things can change do you and you agree with that mhm okay and And I wanted to ask you also, uh, you know, it's interesting. So objective truth, does that mean, it sounds like what you're saying is according to true that you believe that if everything was destroyed right now, the whole world was destroyed, and a whole nother, uh, through the evolutionary process, a whole nother group of humans came along, you believe that the truth that we hold as the truth today would come back virtually the same as it is.
1: Not necessarily because I believe that there is like there is an objective truth right are we are we at like do we have the correct understanding of the objective truth I have no idea right hmm. because our understandings so basically the idea is our understandings of the truth do not they do they do not define the truth right things hmm. like I don't know things like math will never change right and then like that's more cut and dry right one plus one will always equal two even if the entire even if, the, like, even if an entire society believes one plus one will, like, will equal three, one plus one is always e- going to equal two. And, like, you could talk about, oh, well, you know, maybe, like, one for them is one and a half for us. Like, that's just different, like, that's different terms, right? When it comes down to the idea of, like, you know, the, uh what's the word? uh The concepts that they, you know, that they define, then, like, the simple fact of the matter is one plus one will always equal two, no matter what you do. So... I don't but know how does
0: that how does that uh play into uh truth and virtue? Because I, like for example, for, for example, right? Well you go back to the Jewish example. Uh, the Jewish example was that if a woman was caught in adultery that you were to stone her to death. They thought that was virtuous. We now to us that sounds crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So uh in that context what is it what do you view is the objective truth
1: well even now right there's there's cannibalistic colonies that you know that eat humans right and like there's you know there's always been like there's always been human sacrifices in certain you know uh, cultures and like i think we can agree that you know murder is wrong right sacrificing a human would be wrong i think that again i think that that has always been objectively true perhaps and i think that You know, if what I believe to be true is correct, then they were just incorrect about what was true, right? So I think that, again, like our understandings can change of what truth is, but truth, I don't think changes per se.
0: Hmm. So do you think then we are, according
1: to what you believe
0: and also what you've read with C.S. Lewis and these different books, do you believe that uh, the pursuit of objective truth is like a lifelong quest?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. and. And I think it's important also to continue to be open-minded about what the truth may be. A lot of people may think that it may be a closed-minded approach that the idea of objective truth is, you know, is well closed-minded because I think subjective truth, you know, my truth is becoming a continually, um, a continually like preached, you know, preached idea. And I think that it's quite the opposite actually, because if, if truth is subjective, if you decide what is truth, then you'll never listen to anybody or anybody else's ideas of truth. And you'll never change your ideas of truth to you know come closer to what the truth may actually be or you know yeah so i guess yeah that's what i'm trying to say maybe i'm not
0: no that's i gotta tell you that is uh very astute for for someone who's 17 years old and i know we've probably talked about this a little bit just based on my dealings you're aware of but like this whole my truth thing is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world because my truth is exactly what you're saying. When you're saying my truth, like you and I both see a car accident, okay? Or we sorry, we say a, drive, a car drive by. You may experience that car as being blue, and I may experience that car as being gray. And what that is is we've experienced it that way. But if there's a, a traffic cam in the intersection as it's walking by, we can look at it and we can determine whether it is blue or gray or some other color that video is the truth you saying, well, my truth is that it's blue is just you stating what your opinion and experience was and not what the truth is. So this concept of my truth is such a big pet peeve because you stated it really well. What you just said, which is you said my truth uh, is basically just a way to strongly state your own opinion and then you don't listen to anybody else's. It's just a, and, and the thing that's so problematic is this whole my truth thing is is causing this big rift that we're seeing in society right now where we have two kind of growing factions of people who think they're right and the other people are absolutely terrible. And that there are bad people because they think differently. So I wanted to ask you, you you know, this, this goes this way. So virtuous life, objective truth, where does respect for others opinions play into that?
1: I think it's, it's very, very important, right? Because if we're striving for objective truth, then we need to stay open-minded to other people's beliefs and ideas and understandings of what truth may be. And so, you know, we need to compare it with our own understanding of truth and we need to decide okay well are there certain things that you know that they're correct about and are there certain things that i'm correct about right we need to we need to take our own understandings of truth and try to get it closer and closer to the doubt to what that truth really is so mm. yeah i definitely think what you said is true right it, it, like what i've noticed since i've started learning about these things is that it seems like every issue is just so so divisive and continually so and i think that I don't know. The more and the more and more I look for it, the more I see it is that it seems that their goal is division. It seems that their goal is almost divide and conquer, you know, mm-hmm. or, or maybe like, I don't know. It seems like their their greatest means of control over, you know, maybe their their party or, you know, over a group of people is by kind of separating themselves and their ideas from these other ideas and saying those ideas are evil and wrong. And everyone who believes it is also evil and wrong. Right. So I don't know it's just it's really scary to me that the more i look for it the more i see this division and like hatred for each other and i don't know i think it's doesn't bode well for us
0: well but there is uh there's a way to fight that and that is somebody at some point has to be the bigger person and so i think you know you've shown here i think everyone would agree i'm a little biased because i'm your dad and i love you but I think everyone would agree that you're very well articulate, you you articulate your arguments well. And uh, as long as you can do that, state it strongly, and then also when somebody has a differing opinion, still be courteous and kind to them. That is the beginning of fixing this rift. And accepting that when you have these opinions, some people aren't gonna like them and may not wanna be your friend. That does not necessarily mean that you should change your beliefs just because of that it might be a reason for you to reevaluate but not a reason to change does that make sense Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah so now here's the thing that's interesting and we've talked about this before you go to john adams academy i think we both have things we really like about that place and some things we really don't and so uh you know, but I got to tell you, I am impressed, especially when I hear about the books you're reading, such as Abolition of Man. Brothers, Cara, uh, uh, say it for me, Karen Because Char- I read that in college, and I also read some of these other books. Like I know you've read the the uh, the book about uh, Frederick Douglass, Narrative of a Slave, mm-hmm. and you've read uh, um, you've read Nietzsche. You've read all these books that I didn't get to until upper division college. So that's really impressive. What are some things that you like about John
1: Adams? Um well, I think like you said it's really nice that we're we're learning through these classics. It's a it's a liberal education, right? So we're we we get the opportunity to read about, you know, all these different we we read read from all these great thinkers and we learn about all these different understandings and perspectives and we um I think the goal is that we all you know we all come into our own and kind of you know forge our own beliefs um, and understandings but I mean also like you have kind of the juxtaposition of it is a it's a very republican school right it is very republican Um, I think part of that is because um, they don't they don't push a lot of the um, liberal ideas that you see in a lot of public schools and so you have everybody who doesn't want those ideas coming over to like John Adams, right. And all those people are Republican. So Mm you kind of have a culture of, you know, a lot of, and also a lot of members of the church too, interestingly enough, which I guess makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see the juxtaposition of like living in California and seeing, you know, all these strong liberal sentiments and then going to John Adams and seeing all these strong, you know, conservative sentiments. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to see, but yeah, it's definitely, I definitely feel like I can, think a lot clearer than i could like earlier especially in in high school specifically because high school it does get it gets pretty difficult and we lost a lot of kids my grade it had something like probably 200 kids when i was in you know middle school elementary school and now our graduating class is 50 so a lot of people left and um i mean i don't know only the strong survive i guess
0: week no yeah. no i know
1: like i know people who left for various reasons
0: um some mo- a lot of them moved you know covid your your freshman year was covid so a lot of people left the state um so what's something you don't appreciate about john adams or they you think they could change
1: um well first of all i swear the admin have no idea what they're okay that's i no idea what they're doing is probably not a good way to put it but they're never consistent with how they run things. Ever. Every year there's something different. Every year there's something different changing. I think it's still a fairly young school. Uh, my grade is going to be the first grade to go all the way from kindergarten through twelfth grade, so uh, the school's. I guess that make us make it the thirteenth year. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that maybe the school needs to, uh, grow and to um reach a better point where they know what they're doing and they um they have like a consistent routine with what they're doing because they they keep changing stuff this year specifically like they'll keep switching between block schedules and you know i guess non-block schedules and like methods of grading this year specifically they switched completely from letter grades into like a one through four grading system and it i i don't think even the teachers don't understand i've had teachers tell me like yeah i have no idea what's going on so it's kind of annoying specifically because, you know, it's our senior year and there's kids yeah. doing college applications and like they don't know what their grade is and they have no way of checking. So I think that's the biggest problem is simply the fact that, you know, simply the fact that they're really inconsistent with how they run the school. And also um, I've had some problems with certain admin in the past overstepping their boundaries and maybe i uh, abusive, abuse of power, maybe kind of, you know. An exaggeration, but doing things that I don't think are within their rights to do. So that's no fun. But that's not the school's fault, right? That's specifically that's a on a like on a, an individual level. That's problems, and that's gonna happen. Ooh, that's gonna happen no matter like where you are or who you're with, right? Because people suck. So
0: yeah, you know it's interesting. Uh, I I have a bit of a a love hate relationship with your school in that I love the fact that you're there's a few things I really love about your school and. Uh, the first one is, uh, I do love how, how well-spoken you have become just by, and, and I attribute John Adams to that, uh, for that quite a bit, but, but not only that, but also every friend you've ever brought over here is a good kid. And, and because the parents who put their kids in John Adams want them to go there. And so they're very involved, which I think helps. I mean, I, I some of your friends, some of your friends are a little bit more out there than others, but they're all generally good kids, and uh, and that says a lot about you too, because of the, the friends you collect select. or maybe you just don't send your crazy ones over here. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but um, so now you're you're uh, you, you've done these things, you're you're kind of finding your niche um, what, where do you want to go now? Is there anything you'd like to explore in college? I'm sure we're going to talk about music. I know you're going to want to do that, but about is these, these types of, uh, these classes, is there anything that
1: you'd like to do more of? Um, well, I think philosophy was really, really interesting. That's definitely something that I would like to maybe look more into. Um, I think r- maybe writing would be an interesting avenue to, to go down. I mean, the one thing I will say though, about all this is I just, I'm so sick of reading. <laughs> I'm so, (laughs) I'm so, I don't know. And I know that no matter where I go, reading is going to be a huge thing, especially with like philosophy and writing. Like, obviously I'm going to be doing a lot of reading and I don't know, maybe I'll come to enjoy it more, but I have read a lot over the last three years. And to be pretty honest, I'm kind of sick of it, but you know.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing though. If you go down the philosophy road, you might as well just go to law school because there's nothing else you can do with it. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So um, now, Let's uh, let's get to a couple. We're going to f- add some questions in here and there. Um, so one of the questions, let's see. Let me get through some of the more uh, anonymous ones. I saw a couple of them. Um, let's see. Um, what is your biggest goal and how are you going to get there? There was another one that's very similar that said, where do you see yourself in 20 years? So...
1: Hmm. what is my biggest goal I don't know I mean I'm sure my goals will you know change and develop over the years when my priorities shift but I think well I think right now my biggest goal is to be you know to be a you know to be a good person to make other people happy and then also I don't know one of my one of my big goals is to like actually write a good song I know that's kind of random but I, I don't know I'm just like I have some Decent songs that I write that come out okay, but I'd like to get to a point where I have something that I'm, you know, that I'm proud of that I would want to share with people. So there's a goal. But so,
0: what do you think makes a good song as compared to the
1: songs that you've had so far? Um, I think a song maybe that I, if I had listened to it right and you know didn't know who wrote it, then I'd say, oh man, that's really good. You know, it catches my ear. That's something that I'd listen to on my own time. Um, Mm. I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's it seems pretty simple. Like once you know, like, you know, once you know a bit about music theory, like it seems like it would be really easy to write a song that you like, but it's really not. It's, it's not like, I don't know. Maybe I know that like, you know, you're your own biggest critic, right? You're your own worst well, critic. I don't know another word to say, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I'd like to get to a point where something that I'd, you know, I'd like to perform. And that's, that's another goal of mine, I think would be to, Cause you know if I do pursue, pursue music, which might change, um, like I, I want to get to a point where, you know, I'm I'm making things that I'm proud of, right, and that make other people happy. So, well, uh, why do you say that might change? Um, well, just because like, I mean, music's a very inconsistent, I think, route. Like, I don't want to put all my actually, so. You know, when I went and saw Barnes Courtney, um, he's an artist. I saw him live and I talked to him. I've talked to him a couple times now. Um, and the thing he told me about, you know, about becoming a musician is he said, like, he always says this, there's no reason you can't, you know, do it for a job, right? He's like, yeah, this is the easiest job in the world. I'm the luckiest guy in the world to be making a living off this. <laughs> Actually, last time, what he told me was um, put all your eggs in one basket. That's, that's what he said, mm-hmm. because yeah. he said if it's something that you – you really, really want, right. Then like, he said, he, he never got a nine to five. He said, because like, he felt like, he felt like it was giving up to, you know, he felt like that would be proving everybody else. Right. Right. So he, he kind of, I mean, he's happy now, but he's, you know, he's also in his, like, he's in his thirties and he's, he's happy doing what he's doing, but like, I don't know. It's just, I'm scared to, you know, to say that that's what I'm pursuing is like, you know, is music, because I'm not expecting to blow up and be, you know, I'm not expecting to be expecting to be playing Wembley, Wembley? Wembley Stadium in, like, 20 years, right, um, as much as I might like that, like, I don't know, it's just, it's a really scary, really, I think, it's just, it just feels, I don't know if murky is the right word, I just, I don't know what would happen, right, if I abandoned everything else and just pursued only music, because, I mean, I'm sure that, like there are a lot of other things that I could do that you know pay pretty well, and I could still find a happy life doing those things. But I don't know. I guess I kind of, I'm kind of for now just saying go with the flow, right? I want to do like do a year of junior college, go on my mission, come back, get my required courses out of the way, and then you know see where my interests lie. Then uh, decide what I want to do. Um, I just yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm too scared to put all my eggs in one basket right now.
0: Okay, well, could I give you some advice? Yes. Okay. There's no reason why. Well, I, I don't I, – this is something I've never understood. It's not just you, but there's a lot of people like this. I don't get this. The self-defeating stuff, like, I don't, I'm not expecting to play Wembley Stadium. Why aren't you? Like, and here's the thing, right? The chances are slim. But, like, why not? So, like, when I – this it's a completely different thing. I know it's a completely different thing. But when I started wrestling in my backyard with a little mattress, okay, everybody said it was the dumbest thing in the world. And then I was laughing at everybody when I was the first guy to bring New Japan Pro Wrestling to America. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like – Mm -hmm. And and I'm sitting in the locker room with Rob Van Dam and Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe. And you're there at four years old, not paying attention to Bubba Ray Dudley. You know what I mean? Like everybody, nobody would have ever thought that that was going to happen. If I would have listened to all those people, you know, and, and here's the thing, right? I thought I would eventually wrestle main event WrestleMania. That didn't happen. But you know what did happen? New Japan and Impact, right? And that's pretty cool. The other thing is, is when I went to law school or when I said I, when I was at American River College, I told everybody I was going to go to law school and my best friend in the whole world said I would never make it through. But the thing is, is that I thought, why couldn't I? Somebody makes it through. Someone someone works full time and goes to school full time and makes it through. And the, the point I'm, I'm making is this, is that you should have dreams that scare you. They're not big enough if they don't. Like, when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, okay, for me to, go to WrestleMania, be to WrestleMania, I have to lift weight six days a week, I have to eat right, I have to do all these things, I have to wrestle on the weekends, I have to do all this stuff. Like, I was willing to do all of that. Now, my priorities did change. I did what you did. I went, I, I, wrestled for a year, I went on a mission, I came back and I thought having kids and being around for them was more important to me than touring the world as a wrestler, right? But that's when I changed to law. And that was a grind. I mean, you saw it. You were the only one of the kids that did. I mean, you know, you were six years. How old were you? Six? You were 2012. So you were. Yeah, six. Yeah, you were six, almost six. So you were five, almost six. Um, And so, you know, you have a little bit of a remembrance of living in that duplex. You have a little bit of remembrance of that stuff. And, you know, that it took me now we're we're in a really great spot. But it took 20 years of bone-crushing, soul, soul-searching soul work to get there, right? So who's to say if you didn't funnel all of your efforts, all of your energy, all of your stuff into being a rock star, you couldn't be you know, headlining w- Wembley Stadium or headlining Golden One Center. <laughs> I mean, that's still a pretty good life, right? I mean, Barnes Courtney's doing pretty well. He's not headlining Wembley. You know what I mean? He's headlining some like podunk little place in San Francisco, but it's sold out and he has a music it, he's living in, you know? So now that's not to say, that's not to say that if you decide you go on your mission you come back and say, you know what? I don't want a touring lifestyle and music. It's not what I want to do. I want to be there for my kids. I mean, you've got the talent, anybody who hears you singing and and hears your stuff, you got the talent. So it's, it's all about being willing to put in the hard work. Now, there are other parents who are probably listening to this and saying, Josh, what are you doing telling him to go become a rock star? Right. But like you could if you want to. Now, I'm not going to tell you you have to. And I'm not going to be upset with you if you don't. But don't self limit, if that makes sense. Thank you. So let's get, switch that to what why did you I remember the day. This is coming from a place tell you, tell everybody here a story. I wanted Austin to play basketball so bad and he seemed to want to play basketball so bad. And then, uh, and then COVID hit. And then for some reason he didn't want to play basketball anymore. He had picked up a guitar and started playing that and said, I want to do this. And I was very frustrated until he got really good at it. What made you want to pick up that
1: guitar? Um, I mean I think it was always kinda in the back of my head, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, I remember like I'd just be, you know, cleaning my room and a little Sono speaker in there playing like Pandora stations with like old you know with like eighties rock songs on there and stuff, and like i don't always seemed kinda fun to me. Like Slash was always kinda a hero of mine, right? That was the big one, I was a huge Guns N Roses fan. And like i don't always seemed fun to be like, Oh man, yeah, like imagine if I was, you know, imagine if I could do that. Like how cool would that be, you know? Like it's pretty freaking hot, you know? <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> I just think um, I it just, just like the, the idea, the persona, like the enigma around it is like was so cool to me. And then I remember in in seventh grade, I did. Uh, I had I had choir and like I didn't really think I had any sort of musical aptitude before that. And then I got pretty OK, pretty OK at it for a seventh grader. And I like had like a solo or a duet at like the end of the year. And like and then that was like the last I had, you know, ever done. You know with all that and then like i don't know and then i got it into my head i started listening to um to barnes courtney and i got it into my head it was like you know you know seeing like you know what he's playing at least that doesn't look too hard like that's not slash level i could probably do that right and then and then i got the acoustic guitar for christmas and then i decided you know what that's what i'm gonna do like i want to do that and also it's nice because i didn't have to deal with like running <laughs> like i could just <laughs> and do it so yeah, I don't know. I mean, that just seemed really appealing to me. So I did it and then I taught myself and then now I play guitar, so.
0: Well, not only do you play guitar, but you've continued singing. Do you prefer, it sounds like, it seems like you like singing more than like playing guitar if you had to choose one. Is that fair?
1: Mm, I don't know. I think it depends. I mean, it depends on, I think, the setting and also the song too, right? Like there's certain mm-hmm. songs where I'd, you know, way rather just sing and there's certain songs where I'd rather focus on maybe developing some sort of a stage persona and, you know, being able to do more outside of holding a big clunky guitar, but there's other songs that I really, really enjoy playing. Right. And, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it's also, I don't know, guitars make cool noises. So I think it just, it just depends (laughs) on the song and also my mood. I don't know. It just, it all depends. I like them both, you know?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, you know, I just took Piper to see the, uh, to see Love Joy Garbage 311 Offspring and one of the things that was really interesting about the Offspring lead singer is there are songs where he's playing the guitar and then there's also, there's songs where he's just singing right mm-hmm. so you can do both and the other thing about him you know you you mentioned going to college and wanting to do those things did you know that that guy has a PhD in molecular biology
1: really oh my gosh
0: yeah yeah he's actually working on stuff daughter. in yeah, that's kind of funny he, he actually is working on things within aids and he's written every single song offspring has ever performed so
1: but not super so out.
0: right you don't expect that so the interesting thing is is you can do all those things you could be super super smart and also play guitar and also sing you can do all of that so now that's a, something that i did want to bring up to you I, i'm curious about this because you you don't necessarily like being the center of attention like you you know th- that's not necessarily your thing but you're uh you have a commanding presence and you like being the lead singer of a band why is that different than saying just like a normal
1: conversational setting i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't have a good answer for that i don't know i think like i said i mean part of it may have, may have been just the like the idea right and the the like mysteriousness and enigma of like watching a show right if watching someone like command an audience is just i don't know it's so like there's you know there's certain shows you go to when it's someone you really really admire and look up to where like it's almost like it's it's that starstruck feeling right like watching someone perform and just being like totally like like they own you they own your attention and i don't know that's really it's really interesting to me and i don't really like I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of like attention in a lot of, you know, situations, but there's other times where I am. So I think again it's another setting thing, right? Another situational thing. I don't know. I don't I guess I don't really have a good answer for that, but
0: So let's exp- let's explore that a little bit. What what settings have you noticed that you do enjoy kind of getting some attention like we know on stage, right? But is there other settings you've noticed like church dances or, you know, speaking at uh, church what, what is it that that you've noticed i do actually like it
1: um i don't think that's very consistent either to be totally honest like there'll be certain like you said there'll be certain church dances where i'm in a really great mood and i'm like yeah I want, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be an idiot right like mm-hmm. uh, and then, like i am an idiot a lot of the time and then other times where i'm just like i don't know i'm not in the mood for it i don't feel like drawing a lot of attention to myself so i'll just be hanging out with friends like over in the corner right you know as lame as mm-hmm. that sounds like if it's what i'm feeling then i'm gonna do it right um mm-hmm. I don't know. Not really speaking at church. I don't think I've had a good talk since primary. So, I don't know. I don't know about that one.
0: (laughs) I don't agree. But but you know what's interesting about that. So, do you ever find a situation, um, where say we'll use a church dance as an example, where you go in and you're like, you know what, I'm not really feeling it. I'm not really feeling like I want to do anything or be goofy
1: or anything. And then you kind of force yourself to, and that helps your mood change. I think. I think coming out of COVID, that's something I kind of had to do. And then I got more comfortable. You know, I have my long, nasty hair. Don't want to talk about that. Um, And I think, I don't know. I was, I got really nervous around people around that time. I was like, I don't know if socially awkward is the right word for it, but it's definitely close to the right word. Because there'd be, I don't know. I'd like, I'd try to be, I'd try to go hang out with new people. And it'd be like, I'd feel really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable about it. And like, I kind of act like a weirdo. And then I kind of force myself to be interesting, right? Around certain people. And then it got to a point where, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely, like, I've definitely got a lot more comfortable with kind of, dem- I guess, demanding attention in certain situations. Um, it feels less forced now. It was definitely forced then. Um, mm. But I don't know. Yeah, like I yeah. said, I think another thing where it just depends on who I'm around, right? And, like, you know, the situation I'm in and how I'm feeling, you know, whether or not I'm confident at that moment. So. Mm.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing, right, is that you, you're still developing as a person. It's important to remember, you know, and I was actually just talking to your sister about this, not too, well, just this last weekend. You know, there's this, people forget, like, I, I deal sometimes when I'm doing a trial, I have to talk about uh, life expectancy. Did you know that life expectancy for a male, I think right now is 82 years old? Like, that's average, right? So the average male... Including all the people who die of car accidents or DUIs or drink themselves to death, commit suicide. 82. Okay, so you're 17. You got a long life. You got. You're still learning. You know, one question came through. It seems kind of silly, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, when Austin is rich and fam- uh, a rich and famous musician, will he open up a music institute in Ohio?
1: Who asked that? Can I
0: ask?
1: It was anonymous. <laughs> okay. Um, it, can I? Mm, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, whatever that was, um, I hope you I hope you hurt yourself. All right. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> can I decline a comment on that question?
0: <laughs> I am curious about the story, but yes, you don't have to answer if it's going to get you canceled. Okay, um, here's another question that came through. Are you going to give me money when you become a famous musician?
1: I can tell you right now, the answer is no. <laughs> um, All specifically, right. specifically, if it's if it's Brian or Dom or Ty, I want to say that I want to call them out. Specifically. <laughs> if any of you guys, I hope I hope you guys come to me asking for money so I can say no. I hope <laughs> I want to see your guys' smiles drop when I say no. <laughs> Wow. So,
0: so now choir. You know, you've you've developed um, a singing voice over time, and you 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 developed pretty quickly. I mean, um, what is it about
1: choir specifically that you enjoy versus, say, being in a rock band? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the reason I actually like joined choir in sophomore year was because. I wanted to I wanted to get reacclimated to singing like I wanted to learn how to do it again cuz I remember, I remembered back in 7th grade right my choir teacher he's really really good uh, Mr. B Mr. Blankinviewer he um like he taught the whole class like how to sing like he's teaching you know all these kind of Nazi middle schoolers how to like make good sounds with their voice and I was like I want to make good sounds with my voice so um in sophomore year I uh I joined their like high school choir the the elective one and then or I guess they're all elective but uh and then I like started singing and halfway through the year, he let me into the advanced choir. So I don't know. I just kind of, I don't know. I joined because I wanted to learn how to sing. And then I ended up joining, you know, Virtus, the advanced choir. And then while I was singing just for like personal reasons, right. I ended up, well, first of all, like that choir is amazing. Like it's beautiful. I love, I love singing with the choir. It sounds amazing. Like it, um, it really is.
0: And I'm not just saying that because I'm your dad, like every, every year, you know, they have been, it's, it's, it's quite a treat to go and listen to.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely. It's, it's really great. But also I think a big thing about that choir is like the culture. I have a lot of friends that I've gotten really, really close to because of choir and you know, that choir, it, it demands a lot sometimes, especially around this time of the year. Um, it's a lot of fundraisers we do. We're going to, we, we do trips. Uh, I went to Nashville in sophomore year and this year we're going to be going to New York. We're going to be seeing a Broadway show and we're going to be singing in a festival, uh, like a competition. So um yeah i mean that's nice the con the competition aspect is nice too um because last year or last time we went to like a big festival in nashville we were we, so we got a big trophy and we were something like a, like half a point or a point away from getting a second big trophy so this year we want both of them so nice. um don't know if that's gonna happen but i don't know it's definitely nice to have that and then also yeah just the the culture you know a lot of my best friends are in that choir you know i met my girlfriend in that choir so um I don't know. It's pretty amazing, so yeah.
0: Now wanna that kind of uh, I'm gonna to get to another anonymous question here, but I I just thought about this. You know, about a year ago, a little longer than a year ago, a couple years ago, you were talking about leaving John Adams and leaving the choir, and you um, and you and I had a big conversation about it, and we we and when I say we, I mean I decided that you. <laughs> We're not going to change and you were pretty upset about that. now uh, and I gotta tell you like I think you would agree that especially this year um, you have really blossomed and, and, and grown some really great relationships that are going to surpass just high school you know uh, so maybe you could talk about what it means to you these these relationships you've you've formed in high school now. Like, tell me what that's meant to you.
1: Um, I mean, it means a lot, right? These are the years that everybody looks back on and says, oh, man, I miss them, right? So mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, all these people are going to be like, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure there'll be, you know, there's a select few that I know that I'm going to, you know, keep in contact with and that aren't ever really going to totally leave my life. But there's also a lot of people that will, right? And they're going to kind of fade into distant memory. But those are always like, like, those, like, these are the moments that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look back on these, are, these are the good old days, like I'm living in them. Right. So, and I know that I'll continue to make good memories with different people in different situations in the future, but like, it always seems to me that people have, you know, have the best memories of when they were young. And I don't know, I think it's really cool that these are the people that I'm spending those years with. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. Know. There's, there's something special about that.
0: Yeah, there really is. And you know, it's funny because I see you and your friends particularly like Dom and Cole and you know, even uh, Zariah and these different people. And it's 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 fun to watch because I remember me and my friends, Chris and Gil and Chris and Amanda and Debbie. And like, you know, you know, some of these people now because you're friends with their kids, you know, and Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just uh, those relationships, even though you don't talk all the time, you know, like, we'll you know, uh, we'll use, uh, you know, Debbie is an example, like her and Kevin. I've known them for years and years and years. You know their daughter, Rachel. And like, I do I talk to them all the time? Not necessarily, but we still text every once in a while, you know, and talk talk trash about you guys, you know? So, so now a um, uh, question um, uh, that's come through. Who is your favorite musician or group or both? Um,
1: Well, I think – Right now, like objectively and subjectively, I think are two different things, right? Because I know there's like there's certain bands where I'm not really, you know, I'm not really at a at a point where I'm listening to them a lot, but I still recognize them as like, you know, on like the uh, the mal Rushmore musicians. But then there's also certain musicians that hold a lot of personal weight that you know maybe not a lot of people listen to, like Barnes Courtney, right? He's definitely one of my favorites. I think, I think the two bands that would have to be like the most important to me, like my favorite two right now, would be would be Barnes Courtney and then and then the Strokes, I really, really love the Strokes, and um, specifically the singer, you know, Julian. I don't know if it's Casablancas or Casablancas, but Julian Casablancas. Um, like listening to all his side pro- projects and stuff. That's been like he's been a huge, huge influence on me and like and my songwriting and you know the things that I listen to and enjoy. And same with like same with the, like the Smashing Pumpkins. They're another big one. Yeah. But if I if I had to pick if I had to pick one, it would. Mm, I don't know. It'd probably be Julian Casablancas as a performer. It would be Barnes Courtney because I've seen him live twice now, and he was pretty spectacular. So, but as like a as an artist, as a musician, it would be Julian Casablancas. So, have you heard of the Bleachers? No, I've never heard of the Bleachers.
0: Have you heard of Jack Antonoff?
1: That sounds really familiar. Yeah. So uh, this
0: is just, I just discovered him. I took your sister to that uh, almost acoustic to Christmas and they came out and he blew me away. It's like, it's like you're hanging out in the middle of a John Hughes eighties nineties movie. And
1: right. he's got
0: like two, he's got two saxophones, two drummers, like all these people. He does collaborations with everybody. He's written songs for everybody. He's like Taylor Swift's like, Co-producer on everything since 2019, you got to listen to him. He's like a such a great performer. You should check him out. You'd really like him a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, is one th- there's one thing that was really interesting that I just did a podcast with a guy. is uh, is He calls himself uh, Reverend Peyton. Uh, it's Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band, and I was talking to him about this very subject. And he's mentioned how art is so subjective and stuff. But one thing that he said, and I'll share it with you, that I thought was really striking is he said. He said I make art that I like. Like I make art art that I want. And if other people like it, yes, but true art is for the artist, not for, you know. So you write a song, it's for you. If and mm-hmm. not it's for the artist, not the listener. So so if your favorites are, you know, the Strokes and Barnes Courtney, it doesn't matter if anybody else likes it, right? It's mm-hmm. it's, it's what you like. So um Okay, so let's shift gears to basketball. You decided to – randomly decided you're going to play
1: basketball this year. What changed? Why did you want to play this year? Um, Well, I got kind of fat, for one. Um, <laughs> and also, I don't know. I mean, I, I always loved basketball, right? That was That's what I did from, like, kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. Um, I stopped because COVID hit. And, like I said, well, first of all, music, but also, you know, I got a little – you know, I don't know. I was, I was never a good runner. And and Coach Roger, he makes you run a lot, a lot of running. And it's nice because, you know, it's gotten a lot easier for me to do that because I've run so much. But I don't know. The idea of going into that was pretty scary too. And so I was I was thinking about doing it junior year, but I wasn't sure. And it seemed like too much work. I didn't really want to. And this year I figured, you know, screw it. It's my senior year. It's my last chance, right? And um, I got a lot of really good friends on the team. So I tried out, made it, and here I am playing versus like, I'm not a starter or anything, but you know, I'm playing the game. I'm scoring some points. I'm doing stuff. I'm helpful. So yeah, I don't know. It was just figure it might as well. Right.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you, some of the friends that I still talk to, they, they came from, they came from playing basketball in high school. You know, you, it's like, it's almost like it's weird that and admission uh, are the two places where it doesn't matter where I go in life. If I run into a teammate or I run into somebody from my mission, it's like you went to war together. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you just because you you remember all those practices. You always remember those things. You have shared experiences that nobody else has, especially, you know, when you're playing basketball, um, because you know we the wins and losses. You know, like you you share in those feelings and those emotions. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's I'm really proud of you for doing that because uh, I some of my best memories came from playing basketball. I mean, it really it was, and I got a lot of cool experiences. One of the questions that came through uh who's your favorite Kings player?
1: De'Aaron Fox for sure. Yeah Um, why De'Aaron over Sabonis? Well obviously Sabonis is great he's like our own little mini Jokic but the thing about De'Aaron Fox is he's like he's our franchise player you know like we drafted him Mm -hmm. that's when that's when I really started watching basketball was the year we drafted De'Aaron so like just watching him develop is like you know Sabonis obviously he's amazing right he's like kind of saved our franchise a little bit we're actually winning and you know, a lot of that is due to him. You, like, facilitate the whole offense through him. But, I mean, it's just like I, you know, I have a special – there's a special place in my heart for De'Aaron just because he's been on, our like, our team the whole time. He's, you know, never demanded a trade, even though over the last few years he would be completely and, like, entirely justified in doing so because of how terrible terrible the Kings have been, you know. And, you know, that's not his fault. But, yeah, I don't know. That's that's just you know why I prefer De'Aaron personally. But – yeah, that's just me.
0: Okay, so here's a question for you. <clears throat>
1: if you were the
0: GM and you went back to that moment when we got Sabonis, would you rather have De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton?
1: Knowing what I know now? Yeah. <sighs> um, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that you keep Fox over Halliburton.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. Like people get mad at me for saying that, but that's true. Halliburton is no, no look, here's the thing, right? It was a smart trade because they weren't going to take, they, they were not, you wouldn't have been able to make that trade work because Darren's Fox's contract was so big. You couldn't, you couldn't have made the trade. It, it wouldn't have been possible. And really what you did was you traded a future all-star for a current all-star, right? You got, you got somebody like Sabonis. And it obviously worked out. We're in the playoffs, Man, Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, like, that guy is – he is a traditional point guard, and he is very, very good. And the the thing that's a problem – my view – this is just my view, and I hope I'm wrong. Darren Fox is a good scoring point guard. But how many scoring point guards do you know that have won championships?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just
0: a, Isaiah hey, hey. Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, right? I mean, you can make an argument Steph Curry is is a is a shooting point guard, but he's really more of a
1: shooting guard, right? I mean – Oh, wait. Yeah, no. Curry so, is a point guard, though. He's a scoring point guard, and he won four. So,
0: I he guess he's really more of a shooting guard. So, I mean, he's – okay, maybe – and Steph Curry, right? But Darren Fox isn't Steph Curry. And also Steph Curry had Clay Thompson – you know, for, for a lot of those. And he also had uh, uh, Kevin Durant and Derrick Draymond Green. Right. And we just, Sacramento isn't going to have that. My point is, is Tyrese Halliburton is a traditional point guard that makes
1: everybody better. But now, also the game just yeah. to like, to a point where, you know, like it's, it's so heavily scoring. We see all these records that keep getting broken and that's because the game has changed to kind of, you know, it, it's a lot harder to defend now without getting foul calls and stuff. And like, that's the reason Curry won four championships. Like he changed the whole game just because it's just scoring. Like, it's like yeah, I mean that's
0: yeah that's like, a that's a that's a once in a lifetime player too. I mean, he opened the whole he opened the whole game up to where now you have to guard guys at the half court because they just start they just bomb threes and centers, traditional centers don't have a place in the league anymore because they have to be able to guard the three. So mm-hmm. So now um maybe this goes in this place or maybe not, maybe it's something more than just basketball, but what is one thing that you could improve on? Um, one nice question.
1: One. Um, I mean, I think mm, so, like outside of basketball, I think mean, there's a lot I can improve on there. Uh, I think maybe being less of a douche when I argue, <laughs> I think that's a good <laughs> one. I know that I can be kind of, I can come across as, um, I don't know, I like to call people out on their stupidity, and I don't do it in a very nice way a lot of the time, so. I don't know. It's caused. It has not so much this year, but in past years, it has caused um has caused words to be thrown around. It has caused uh, screaming, but mm-hmm. it, normally it's not me doing the screaming, so it's okay. But mm-hmm. that's something maybe I could do a better job of is being a little more professional when I debate people. I guess.
0: Well, you are you are still seventeen and
1: learning. That is a learned
0: trait. But who do I know? I mean, I just yell at people, and then they listen to me and when in my arguments. So whatever well, you gotta just find what works, right? Uh so okay, here's a fun question. If you had a punch in the face list, who's on top?
1: Um, can I do like a top five? <laughs> yes. Um I think number one is um Dominic Passos. I think he'd be number one. <laughs> Call him out right now. Um <laughs> Number two, um, Hitler, for sure. Um, <laughs> Got to have that one on there.
0: I find it funny how Dom, and Dom was before Hitler on that one. Does that mean? <laughs> Got to have your priorities straight,
1: man. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, three would be Draymond Green, I think. Um. Mm. He would punch you way harder, just so you know. Yeah, but okay, it's not about like it's not a get punch in the face. face, Okay. Um, four would be Brian Sanchez. Um. Who? uh, Don't worry about it. And. uh, I'm gonna write that down. Follow up later. (laughs) Five would either be uh, would either be Osama bin Laden or Willis, for sure. (laughs)
0: Wow. Okay. All right. Willis is getting a lot of talk here. That was actually another, that was another question that came through. The question was, uh, what do you think about Willis?
1: Uh, F that guy. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Um, Don threw a party for him, actually. Funny enough. He didn't deserve it. I hate Willis. Mm. Um. Mm. I don't know. Next question. I don't have anything to say about him. Well, here's,
0: here's something we can get into. Um, You are the first child, which I, as a first child myself, I know that, that can, that, that's hard. What This question comes, uh, what is
1: an important quality in a big brother? Um, well, I think it's important to, uh, to kind of be there. Like, you know, when they need me kind of be almost like, I mean, not exactly, but kind of a third parent, right? Like maybe when you guys are busy or you guys are, you know, doing something, you guys are dealing with your own problems. Like it kind of, it's my job to sort of fill in. Um, not that I've needed to all that much, but um, I think that's definitely something important that I, you know, that I should do, that I think I do when I need to, right? And also um, pounding them into shape, making sure they're, you know, make sure they don't suck. I think it's a really important one, and I'm trying really hard. I'm trying the best I can. Um, is it working? We'll have to see. But like, I try to bully the nerd out of them, but I just I don't know if it's working, Dad. I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> I, I, I mean, point. I appreciate.
0: You need, I, you need to help I, me I, out. I I appreciate you trying so hard. I've been trying too. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so um. So let's see, here's some other, now now here's something I want to talk to you about is, um, let's talk about your faith. So you're a member of the church, and I have seen over the last few years your testimony grow immensely. And a question came through, let me see if I could find it. Well, it was asked in a context of, let me see here. What advice would you give a young man your age who is struggling with his
1: testimony? Hmm. I think, so that's a very difficult question, right? It's very difficult because when it comes to things like, you know, the strength of testimony and, and, you know, conversion for some people too is what I've noticed is that it's a, it's a very, very personal thing. It's between you and God. Right. So I, I think, you know, the best thing you can do is to, is to put yourself in, you know put yourself in the right situations and just sincerely truly pray about it right because that's the most important thing is remembering that you know like i mean god's always there right no matter what um like who was it today that was you know talking about the the footprint in the sand story right there's only one set of footprints cuz you know god was or jesus was carrying um jesus was carrying us or whatever um i don't know as, as, that's really, really difficult, right? Because there's, there's a lot of different things that contribute to, like maybe a decline of faith or testimony. But, I mean, it's just it's remembering, you know, first of all, seeing the positive benefits in life and also remembering that, you know, it, it's sometimes just the best way to do it is just to feel God's love. And I think that's something that can be recognized for sure. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, the thing that I think reinforced my testimony the most was, um, was FSY. i i I don't know if i told you this story specifically i probably did but um Mm -hmm. i went out there and to be honest i so i only the only reason i signed up this was in i think like december or january beforehand right was because uh my friend's hot cousin signed up right and then (laughs) and then (laughs) the same week and then um and then March, I got a girlfriend, so I was like, "Well, that's out the window. I don't even know where I'm going anymore." Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I went, not really expecting. Much I did trip.
0: not. I did not know about the hot cousin, but anyway, yeah. just move, well, moving on.
1: Well, there you good go. Good thing well, you
0: yeah. kept. Good thing you kept that to yourself while I was signing you up. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I went in there not really expecting much because. I heard, I heard good and bad things. I've heard some people that had really good experiences and some people that just thought it was kind of boring, right? It's like a lot of religious classes and stuff. Um, so I went in with maybe not the greatest mindset. Like, I, you know, I had an open mind. I was like, oh, this is going to suck, right? But, I, you know, I figured, well, you know, it's the summer. I'm not doing anything anyways. Might as well go. I wasn't expecting anything big or spiritual to happen from it. But I really, really, really felt the spirit for the first time there. It was like the first time I've had a really powerful emotional experience. And I remember when it happened was – Um, on the day before the last day, um, you have this, um, you have your companies, right? And they have these little testimony meetings inside of like, like, there's like two or three companies in there. And, um, there wasn't really like, there were my friends from my company, but there wasn't anyone in there that I like was, you know, I really knew. Um, so it was just, it was just me kind of alone with, you know, with a couple of friends that I made along the way, but then just also my thoughts. Right. And this idea of forgiveness had kind of been preached throughout the whole thing. It was like kind of a common concept and theme. And there were, I don't know, there were certain things I realized that I hadn't forgiven people for that. Like, I don't know. I really, it was kind of eating me up inside. And like the, for the first time I really realized, right. Like Jesus Christ like forgives everyone for everything. Like, no matter what, all you have to do is ask for forgiveness, right? Like, all you have to do is come with an open heart and a contrite spirit, right? Just just let him help you, right? And that was, like, that was really, really be- beautiful to me, right? Because if, if we're trying to be like Jesus, right, and Jesus Christ forgives everyone of everything, then who are we to hold grudges, right? Who are we to, you know, who are, who are we not to forgive? Like, who do we think we are, right? And I don't know, that's something... Yeah, like there's something that I think people need to understand is that we're not any better than all of these like you know, like the most religious people are no no better, I think. They're they're no less capable of wickedness than the people that like that have fallen into it, right? We're all we're all on the stairs, you know, either up to heaven or down to hell. We're just on different spots the same staircase, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think it's important to remember is that like all these people that are in these dejected places that um you know they're that are sinning you know they may be treating other people harshly like we're we're capable of the same thing right we're as as humans as souls we're no better we're no better than them so I think that's really important to remember so like I don't know just forgiveness has just been it was such a huge thing and that was the first time I really really felt the testimony was when that idea just kind of it hit me and I just felt the spirit wash over me. I was, I was sobbing like a little girl. I felt so stupid. Like I was, I wanted to go, I wanted to go and get up and bear my testimony, but I couldn't even stand up. Like I was shaking all over. I was, I was sobbing. And, and so I ended up bearing my testimony just in our, we have little, um, R and R, I think, reflection review or something like that at the, at the end of every night. So I I bore my testimony to, to all the guys in my company or in my um, dorm just that night. Um, but like walking out of there, I remember like seeing all my friends, and you know, I was crying, and you know, I was giving them all hugs. You know, they were all in other companies, and like, I felt like such a baby, you know. But I don't know. It was it was really really powerful, and I think that's something that I've kind of remembered and and carried throughout. Like, I've just tried you know tried to think back every time I'm kind of struggling with my testimony, right? At all, if I'm having any doubts or anything. Just remember, like, come on, man, you know it's true. Like you felt it, like you you know you know for a fact that it's true and i think that's that's something that people need to kind of come to know for themselves is i think the most difficult thing about struggling with your testimony right because because i mean if you if you really wanted to know and if like and if you really would make that change if you're really willing to make that change when you know then god will give you that knowledge so yeah i don't know i guess yeah. thank you yeah for that's the talk.
0: Well, no, I think that what you just said, hit it on the head and I can learn a lot from you. I, that is a uh, forgiveness is something, I mean, you know, just in my own life, some of the people that have hurt me, us, um, that has been something that I've really, really struggled with, but you're right. And uh, I'm that's something I'm working on. We're all human we're all working on things and uh, it's hard, especially when they're not really that sorry, you know, but. You know, you're a great example to me because you, you do forgive, you forgive everybody. And you know, that, that, uh, that means a lot, you know, that you can be an example of that. And what I would tell you about everything that you just said is that, you know, I know some of the, not, I'm sure I don't know all of it, but I know some of the things that you've had to forgive and it's really, really not easy. And, and what I would also tell you is this stuff that you're talking about, you know, the stuff that you you've gone through a lot. You have, you, we all have. And, uh, you've had to, you've had to struggle through some things, but this is not going to be the last time, you know, uh, I used I used to joke with people when they'd say, this is like the worst day of my life. I'd be like, worst day of your life so far. <laughs> right. Because they're just, uh, this life for some reason this test that we're on is a test of your endurance it's just a test of how much can you take it's just that's that's really what it is and it stinks sometimes it stinks and it goes like this it goes up and down it's not just like up this way or down this way it's peaks and valleys so you're probably going to have a lot of really big peaks. I've had a ton of big peaks. This weekend was one of them with your sister. You know, the, Going to Metallica with you and your brother, you know, that whole weekend. Going to Chicago and seeing CM Punk return in AEW. Like, those are peaks, right? And there have been some serious valleys. But you having those experiences, those, those undeniable experiences are what get you from one peak to the next. Amen. I've had a few of them. I've had a lot of them, actually. I've had. There have been a few that have been so. That have been so important to me, that in those moments where I'm like, "Why am I doing this? Why am I going for? Why are we? Wh- what is the point? That's the point. Is Jesus forgives us of all of our sins and who are we to turn away from him just because things aren't going our way. Right. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, so there's your Ted talk now um, moving on from that uh, next question. Are you going to serve a mission? And if yes, where would you want to go?
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm planning on serving a mission. And that's an awesome question because I don't know. I mean, pros and cons right so, i think i so think learning let, is me, is. let
0: me let me let me let me real quick let me pop, let me ask you because i really really was i wanted to stay stateside mm-hmm. but the reasons i wanted to stay stateside was because i thought a a, a language was going to be hard and also because i know that like mail was really hard and i had a certain someone who was supposedly waiting and was writing me every week and grandma was writing me every week and everybody was so it was like i really 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 wanted to be somewhere where i could get mail but it's different because you have email so do you think you would rather be foreign or would you rather stay in the states
1: that's weirdly similar to like how i'm thinking just because i'm i'm really terrified of learning a new language i think that would like if i had to choose between english speaking or you know foreign language i'd probably pick english speaking i know that's not a very common opinion I know a lot of people think that'd be really cool but it's just like you get like what three four weeks of language training and then it's just full immersion like you have no idea what anyone's saying for like two months like that's I don't know I mean again it would be a really awesome experience if I did and I know that if I did that and if I did go learn another language and serve you know foreign then looking back I'd be like oh man I'm really glad that happened I would definitely prefer that to stateside but where I am right now like looking forward I would I'd be a lot um, I don't know. It's, it's a lot more safe. It feels like to go stateside for me. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I mean, wherever God wants me to go, I'm going to go. So.
0: Would you, would you be more interested in staying stateside or foreign? If you could go to a foreign place that speaks English.
1: Oh, foreign. Yeah. Foreign, obviously.
0: <laughs> okay. So it's just the language. Thing. It's interesting because it's a catch 22 because like everybody I know who's gone, um, uh, who's gone foreign uh really loved their missions but then like i had a buddy my best friend chris you know you know him uh he went uh, to colorado he was originally english speaking and then changed changed to spanish like halfway through oh, man. and like the second half of his mission was really really hard because trying to acclimate to the language they spend so much time trying to do the language that they kind of might miss a little bit, but, but yeah, you know, you got the right. So, so, okay. If you had to choose then one place, one place, who, where would it be?
1: In the entire world. Um I mean, probably either, either Africa I think would be amazing or just like, I don't know, France <laughs> or like, mm-hmm. or England. So I don't have to learn another language. There you go. I'll come back with a British accent. It'd be pretty cool. <laughs>
0: so, what if, here's, let me throw this out at you. What if you could go to a place where missionaries previously couldn't go? Like what if they opened up China or they opened up like
1: mm. some,
0: or would you rather just be like, hmm, that sounds dangerous?
1: I think it would be really, really cool to go to somewhere like China. I mean, would I come back? That was a question, you know, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, that would definitely be, I would be, I would definitely be proud to be going there you know, even though that is really scary. Right. Again, if God wants Mm -hmm. me there, then I'll go. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. All right. I think we, uh, we got a couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up with the three. I ask everybody, hold on one second. I went through all of these. Oh, here's a, you're ridiculously good looking. So there's your, uh, (laughs) and humble. Let's see. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> what is something? Oh, this is a little self serving, but that's okay. What is something that you have learned from your dad that you think would be important to teach your own children in the future? Um, Other I than think, dad
1: jokes. Mm, well, I'm definitely not going to do that to my kids. Um, <laughs> I think. Well, I think I think work ethic is pretty important. I'm like I like to think that I have a pretty good work ethic now and that I'm developing it. But it's really really scary because I can't remember where the heck I heard it, but I heard something. Um, it said, uh, "Uh, weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong uh strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men, and weak men create hard times." And I don't know. Looking around, it's it's pretty easy times here. So you know. <sighs> I'm just, I don't know. I'm hoping that I can develop the work ethic. And, you know, if I can develop that work ethic, then that's definitely the thing that I think you've done. I think you've definitely done the best you can in helping me develop that work ethic. And I think that once I gain that, that's something that I'm going to need to try to you know push on on my kids without like, without like, I don't know, making their lives hell or anything. I don't know. Maybe I'll be, well, Maybe I'll be poor on purpose and just, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here's what, here's what I would tell you
1: about that. Don't sell yourself short
0: just because financially things are okay doesn't mean that things are always okay. You've, you've gone through some stuff and, you know, you've had some hard times that you've had to rise above. And I can tell you that, you know, some of those things have been going on recently. Right. And you've still excelled, right. You've still excelled. And that's impressive. And that's, that's what I think work ethic really is. You know, work ethic to me is not, just let's work hard because anybody can work hard. It's working hard when you don't want to, right? Like people talk about, and we've talked about this, but people talk about motivation and it's not motivation. Anyone can go to the gym when they're motivated. Anyone can go shoot hoops when they're motivated, right? Anybody can be motivated to play their guitar when they're, they heard an awesome song that they want to learn. It's on the days that you don't want to do it that's when it's most important. It's the discipline part. And that is one thing that I think that uh, I, if I were to instill in you, that would be it is that you, and you have it, it's not perfect, but you have it. I've never seen somebody when they're, when they're, and this is what, why I got on you. I've gotten so quite frankly, I mean, we're pulling the, we're kind of pulling the curtain back on some of the Edlo stuff, but like, why I've been so hard on you is because when I I, I see when you are when you ha- you have drive, so when something you want something, there's no stopping you. You will play that guitar eight hours a day if you want. You will go and you'll get up at four in the morning and run. I mean, I'll, I'll tell a story. I, you know, you might you don't like to me to brag on you, but I'm going to. This kid before Brad, he knew conditioning was coming up was getting up at four in the morning and running and shooting hoops before he needed to go to seminary not every day, but a lot. You were, you were lifting weights every, every night you were getting ready for that because you wanted it. And so you have it in you. It's having that. Uh, Mike Tyson said uh, discipline is doing the things that you hate, but doing it like you love it. Right. Right. And so that, you know, that's why like in the morning when I don't, it doesn't matter to me when my alarm goes off, it doesn't matter to me whether I want to or not. I get up, I go to the gym, I go to, I go to work, I do all these things. That is what has created the life that you think is so easy is that for me, this life that you have has not been easy. It has been hard, hard, hard. And, uh, uh, you know, I sometimes wonder if I'm going to die early because I'm working so <laughs> I've been grinding so hard on it. But you know what, though, I wouldn't do it any any different because the thing is, and this is me kind of just being a dad now for a moment, is that I remember when I uh, I'm digressing a little bit, but I remember when I went on my mission. I remember when I finally caught the vision, like three months, six months in, and I was really, really into it, and I was starting to get into leadership and doing all this stuff. I remember one time thinking to myself, I saw a group of missionaries leaving. And I said, I want to, when I leave this mission, I want to have to crawl on that plane because I have, I have, because anything that you do, you only get out of it what you put into it. So I wanted to put everything into it. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I, my shoes were worn to pieces. My suit was falling, held together in duct tape. I mean, it was, a, it was jacked. I was, I never I never worked that hard in my life. And so when I came home, I remember saying that when I you know, a mission is a lot like a symbol of life, right? You come here, you're here for a short time, you got you die, you go home. Right. So I said, I want to do that with life. And when I when I finally give up the grave or get you know, give up the ghost to go to the grave, I want to have sucked every single thing out of this life that I could. And that's why, you know, what's that? Well, thank you to continue. So, you know, I would just tell you that you want to be a rock star, you can do that. If you want to be, you know, you want to be a lawyer someday, you can do that. You want to be both, you can do that. There's a partner in my office right now who is both. Like, you want to be a wrestler, podcaster, lawyer, dad, you can do all of those things. You're not going to sleep a lot, but you can do it all. So... Um, okay. I'm going to ask you three, three questions. Um, uh, and they, I ask everybody, so I'm gonna start with this one. Uh, what's your biggest success in life?
1: So far, um, my biggest success in life. Um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't know if I have a lot of successes. I mean, I guess just, I guess the thing I'm most proud of, Right now would be, I guess, my musical abilities to this point, like how far I've come, you know, as opposed to like like three, four years ago. I think that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, uh, you know, this is me dad bragging a little bit, but you get into an international honor choir, I'd say that's a big success. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one. And how many kids, how many kids in your class made it to the state honor choir this year?
1: Um well, I mean, regional we had like six or seven, but I'm the only one that made all state this year.
0: Ah, okay. That's a pretty big
1: success, right? Yeah. Don't shrug your shoulders, be proud. You did it. I mean, half the kids made regional couldn't couldn't sing, but that's okay. I love you all. I know you are listening, but some of you can't sing. I think you know who you are. <laughs> All right, what's your
0: biggest failure and what did you learn from it?
1: Um I mean I guess my biggest failure up to this point would probably be my my grade sophomore year would be my biggest failure. Failed a couple of classes, had to do summer school. Um I learned that uh school was really hard now and that I had to work a lot harder than I was and I learned that I couldn't just cruise through it. Um, like I had been, um, and I learned that missing assignments weren't just boxes that I could check later, and that they actually add up to things. So that's I learned to, I guess, work harder in the setting of school. So
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think that's funny. I remember, um, I think it was my a sophomore in college, and I remember (laughs) it was like the dumbest thing I was telling a friend of mine. I was like, you know they have these office hours, I should probably go and check that out in this one class. And I remember going to the office hour and the professor giving me literally all the, like he looked at my essay and told me everything I needed to do to get an A. And I was sitting there and I was like, you're telling me that I could come to office hours and they will tell me how to get an A. And so I started going to office hours junior year through senior year and my grades drastically improved. And it was just a situation of me being like, you mean if I put in a little bit of effort they actually succeed. Right. (laughs) And that's I think you've learned that in your a little bit too. Last question. Uh, One day way I hope I'm not around for it. But one day you're going to pass away and uh, um, someone will give your eulogy. Um, What do you want? What's the one thing you want someone to say about you in your eulogy?
1: Um, think that I made people happy. Right? That I wasn't a douche my whole life. Um, <laughs> you mean, I mean, you mean, I mean like, as in you finally grew out of it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. Just that, just that I made the people around me happier. I made their lives better. I think that's the biggest thing, you know. Because I think you know, doing good, right? The virtuous life is the happiest one. I think doing good is gonna, you know, bring about the happiest life, and you know. self-reflection when i'm lying on my deathbed i want to be proud of all the things i did so Yeah.
0: yeah another i'll throw you another motivational tony robbins quote or whatever um you know just remember that like if you're you know if you are afraid uh of failure um or hard work uh that is not going to sting as hard as uh regret later in life so you know, live your life in a way that you don't regret things afterwards. If you want something, go get it. Because you can literally, and I'm just, you know, this is just a dad-son moment here. But I've seen you. I know you. I've seen, I've known you your whole life. Okay? And I can tell you that you undoubtedly could do anything you want. Thank you. You just have to, you just have to put your put it forward sure there's a little bit of the fact that you're a six foot three blonde hair blue-eyed white kid that's probably going to help you from a one percenter from a one percenter dad but <laughs> you know it. yeah like yeah like a- Take it. <laughs> but but i will tell you that uh you know I, I i'll wrap this up by saying uh i couldn't be prouder of you i really couldn't you've you have grown into such an amazing young man. Uh I couldn't have I couldn't have expected it. You know, I, I always knew you were gonna be good, you know, because you came from me, right? But I mean, like <laughs> I always knew you were gonna be good. I always knew you were gonna be okay. I never doubted for a second, but I am so impressed with what you've become. And uh and I just can't wait for you to to see what you do next. So don't F it up. I'm try my best not to. Can I?
1: Can I read this? Yes. Oh, oh yes. Yes, I forgot. Dom quotes. Do it. Okay. Every single one of these quotes came from the mouth of Dominic Patricio Passos. Can I say his address? <laughs> I'm not gonna say his address. Okay. Here we go. If I were Jesus, I would get rid of free will. Um <laughs> I like eating big man meat. Um <laughs> doesn't everyone waffle stomp? Uh, if you don't know what that means, don't look it up. Um, and there's one more. Um, I hate homeless people so much. Something about them just ruins my day. Just a dollar, just a dollar. No, just get a job. It's not that hard. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I would like
0: to retract the earlier statement about all of your friends are good kids. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do some editing there. Jeez. Yeah, I hope.
1: I hope. I hope he tries to get a job, and somebody finds this. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm gonna keep all those in. anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, man. Now I question your friend selection. Anyway. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. It's worse. All right. Well, for the, <laughs> did you say it gets worse? Oh, geez. I'm still a good one. Uh, all right. All right. Well, uh, for those of you who've fallen along, subscribe, um, follow uh twisted youth Austin's rock band and uh, can't wait to see what comes next. Love you. Love you.